Hi, you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Janine, and standing by to join us is Francine J. She's founder of Miss Minimalist and author of The Joy of Less, A Minimalist Guide to Declutter, Organize, and Simplify. And I, I love her book because <laughs> this past weekend, after I recovered from being sick, I was cleaning. I was the crazy woman that all the clutter makes me nutso. So it's my pleasure to welcome this week's show, Francine J. Good morning. Good morning. As I was saying on air and to you, you know, being so cluttered makes me crazy and I feel like it stifles me. It really does. Just having clutter around can raise our stress levels. Um, It makes us feel distracted and overwhelmed and just out of control. I know. And I have moved a lot and we moved from Boston years ago. And it's so funny when you don't bring all your stuff into the house and you leave it there and then you realize, I don't even need this. I know, and it feels good, doesn't it? It does. (laughs) It's like when we go on vacation and stay in a hotel, and we're like, oh, this is such a sense of relief. And I think a lot of it has to do with we just don't have our stuff with us. Exactly. And so let me back up. How did this become an interest to you? Were you always a very organized person or the opposite? I think I've always been somewhat organized, but there was a time in my life when I did have too much stuff. Mm -hmm. And just as you mentioned, moving started it for me. When my husband and I were in our 20s, we moved around a lot. And the first time, we fit everything in our car. It was wonderful. (laughs) The second time, we had to rent a moving van. The third time, a larger moving van. And the fourth time, we needed professional movers. We had just accumulated so much stuff. And half the time, a lot of the stuff never even got unpacked. And we just started to wonder, why are we dragging all this stuff around us? I mean, we got less and less enthusiastic about about moving. And at the same time, we had started traveling a lot. And we traveled very lightly Mm -hmm. with just one carry-on each. And we always just felt this sense of freedom, like we could go anywhere and do anything because we weren't dragging around stuff. Sure. And we wanted, to, we wanted to live that way. We wanted to live the way that we were traveling. So we pared down to the essentials mm-hmm. and started living a, a much less cluttered life. And you're able to maintain that? We are able to maintain that's that. Great. And that's one of the um, concepts of my book in the Streamline Method is not only how to clear the clutter, but how to keep it from coming back. And it becomes even more of a challenge when you have a family, but we're doing it. <laughs> Oh, yeah, because I remember when I had my first child, like, all of a sudden you've got sippy cups everywhere and toys, and (laughs) you're like, it's just coming after you. (laughs) You really have to keep on top of it. But if you have the right mindset and you have these habits and routines in place, it really does become easier. It's hard, and, you know, you can't beat yourself up because it's something that if you start doing slowly a little bit along the way, um, it does become a routine. It does, and it really it, it puts you in that mindset of questioning your things. Do I really use this? Do I really need it? Or do I value the space that it's taking up more than the actual object itself? Right. You know what's interesting, too? I find that the easiest thing for me is to go through my closet and say, okay, I haven't worn that in 10 years, and if I haven't missed it and haven't worn it, get rid of it. Exactly. I'd probably lower that time limit from 10 years, (laughs) but you're right. right. And I always say, just try everything on, because if you haven't tried that dress on in 10 years or even three years, you don't know that it still fits. Um, And the other thing is, you you just want to make sure it still flatters you, too. I always say, if you wouldn't feel comfortable being photographed in that outfit, it does not belong in your closet. You mean I can't wear that suit with the 80s uh, shoulder pads? Especially these days, you never know. It might end up on the internet for posterity. That's true. That's true. So let's talk about your book. I love it. Um, Less stuff, less stress is one of the things you obviously reinforce. Um, 
What are some things that people can do to get started? To get started, uh, actually, people kind of tend to look at decluttering as a dreaded chore. And it can be very tedious if you're just picking through your stuff saying, oh, let me take this out of the drawer and throw this away or this Mm -hmm. off the shelf. So I actually recommend a completely opposite approach. With that closet or drawer or room you've decided to work on, just completely empty everything out of it. Okay. You want to work with an empty space. And even just doing that, just removing that stuff, kind of removes that psychological hurdle of taking things out. So now they're all out. (laughs) And you have to decide what you're going to return to the space and evaluate each item very carefully. And I think decluttering is a lot easier when you're deciding what to keep, Mm -hmm. what to put back into that space rather than what to throw away. So you're, you're picking your favorite things, which makes it a much more pleasant process. I mean, I can't give away stuff that's nostalgic, like my high school uniform skirt that I cut up and wrote on. I mean, it sounds stupid, <laughs> but it's, you know, it's like things that have meaning. I just have to put stuff in the closet. Sentimental stuff is hard, and yeah. there are particular techniques you can use, if not to get rid of it entirely, then at least to minimize it. Sure. So you may have, say, a collection of your, say, your grandmother's set of china. Right. And you don't use it, but you keep it because it has that sentimental connection. Yes. Now, I say instead of keeping the whole set, keep one teacup or one plate and display it in a place of honor rather than having that entire set just stashed in the basement or attic where no one's enjoying it anyway. Yeah, that's a great idea. And if it's something like a textile, like a dress or you mentioned a skirt or mm-hmm. even a quilt that you've inherited, and again, if it's something you don't use, you're just stashing it away for the sentiment, take a piece, cut a swatch off of it. Um, That way you have something much more manageable, much more storable, and it still brings back the same memories as the larger object. Right. I love how you um, you have a lot of quotes in your book. Um, Music is a space between the notes. Um, Yes. (laughs) Tell me about that. I changed that to be life is the space between our things. Um, Now, the original quote, music is the space between the notes, basically means that in order to have a nice melody, we need to have some space. Mm -hmm. If we just have sounds all the time, it's just discordant. And it's the same thing with our lives. If we just have things everywhere, we don't have a space to do anything. Right. And it's really experiences that make us happy, not stuff. Right. You know, it's funny. I, I, I've been recovering from a cold, and then I spent the weekend just kind of cleaning and cleaning and getting rid of stuff. And, and it, it, I can tell it definitely has an impact on my kids, too, because they start feeling like, wow, it's a little bit lighter and cleaner and open in here. Yes, it gives you this boost of energy, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> it makes you actually want to do things. You have the space to move around and to, to engage in activities. Exactly. And, like, I have a whole collection of albums, and I was looking at them saying, okay, we've got some some on the wall, but maybe we could put the other ones away so we could have less stuff, you know, everywhere. That's right. And, and I also advocate limits, too. I mean, sometimes when you have a collection, you just have, you have a lot, and all of the things may not mean as much as some of them. So say maybe I'm going to only keep a dozen of my favorite uh, and pick through and just select your favorites. That's so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I know that can I'm be hard. I'm such a music person. <laughs> we have like a huge collection of albums, I, but it's, yeah, it's just that's one thing. But um, it's an interesting thing. What are some of the things you've heard about your book? Because I'm sure you're getting great uh, feedback. 
I have, and, and what I'm really excited to hear is that people do say it, it makes decluttering easy, which they did not expect, <laughs> and enjoyable. Um, a lot of people told me that they put, put down the book in the middle of a chapter just to go clean out a kitchen cabinet or, or clean out a closet just because they're so excited and energized to do this, and I just yes. love hearing that. I, I know it's so funny. It's like a domino effect because I started with one area, and then I looked at a drawer yesterday in the kitchen. I'm like, what is all this mishmashed, you know, stuff, lids that don't fit this other lid of Tupperware? I'm like, throw it out. <laughs> It's, yeah, it can be addictive, yeah. and it also, um, you, you gain confidence. You start mm-hmm. with that junk drawer, and that looks so nice. You're like, oh, I can take on a bigger project. <laughs> then you go into your closet, or you tackle an entire room or the basement. I mean, it really builds confidence, and it makes you feel so good to do it that you do actually want to do more. No, it's true. I mean, it's a little exhausting when you try to tackle too much at once. It is. You know, and and you're like, oh, how have I been living in this, you know, clutter box? But you got to be patient, especially when you have kids and you just because things start accumulating. They do. And I I do say don't I look at decluttering as like dieting. Mm -hmm. And if you try to do it all at once, um, if you do the crash diet approach, I really don't think the results hold as well. Um, you, you tend to start feeling deprived or, or go on a binge after that. <laughs> right. So I, I do recommend a more slow and steady approach. Start with small projects. Just do a little bit at a time. Mm-hmm. And that actually helps you build up those decluttering muscles. And you get better at it as yes. you keep doing it. So sometimes you'll declutter. You know, you'll do a first round through your house. Right. And it looks good. But then a couple weeks later, you're like, why did I skip this? I don't really need this either. Yes. And you do a second round, and you get rid of more stuff. And it really does get easier each time you do another round of decluttering. I've been doing it for years, and I still find stuff to get rid of. Wow. You know what's so funny? I love how I'll get rid of old clothes to donate, um, and I'll put the stuff in my trunk and bags. And then I say that my younger daughter's like a little raccoon because she gets into the bag, and I find the clothes <laughs> all over the trunk. She's like, how could you give this away? And this and this. And, and I'm like, I, I should have just done it without anybody knowing. Yes, yeah, sometimes you have to engage in a little stealth decluttering, I think. You do. You do. <laughs> I have a four-year-old, and, um, and I have to declutter when she's not around because she'll start picking through objects. Oh, what's this? <laughs> what's know. this? And then that, nothing leaves the house. So, yes, especially when you're talking about your own things, just let them go. Don't let anybody else know about it. <laughs> now, well, here's the funny thing. Do you ever um, have conversations with couples like, one doesn't want to get rid of their old high school T-shirts. I wonder if my husband's listening. Um, <laughs> and the other, like, wants to get rid of stuff. You know, like, you, I want to get clean and do and get rid of, and the other person doesn't want to. That happens all the time, and I get so many emails from my readers about that problem. And I do devote an entire chapter in the book um, to dealing with both children and reluctant spouses. You can't touch other people's stuff. No, I mean, how, as much as you would love to do the hard work for them oh, I would never. <laughs> and declutter that closet no. <laughs> or get rid of those T-shirts, don't do it. Hands right. off their stuff. The, There's just no faster way to, to build mistrust and, and resistance to decluttering that way. Exactly. Um, so a couple of the techniques I, I outline in the book is, is, first of all, just set a good example. I mean, sometimes really with your spouse or partner just seeing the, the spaces that you've made, your clean closet, your clean drawers, clean kitchen cabinets, yes. kind of sets off something like, oh, well, that's kind of nice to, to not have a completely cluttered space. Yes. Um, setting a good example can be pretty powerful. Yes. Um, the other thing I really emphasize is setting boundaries. And basically that means designating spaces in your house that are clutter-free zones. And that's going to be your family 
spaces, your shared spaces like your kitchen or your living room or your dining room. You really want to keep personal stuff Mm -hmm. out of family space. Um, So that really consolidates your family members' belongings in their personal spaces, in their bedrooms or their closets or whatever storage spaces that you've assigned to them or designated for them. And that kind of tends to let them see how much they have because when it's spread throughout the house, they don't necessarily know everything they have. Right, right. I'm very guilty of that. Like some of my work stuff ends up on the counter with other stuff and then it piles up and I'm thinking this has nothing to do with the kitchen. That's right. And then your clutter hides their clutter, and no one knows what they have or where it is. Exactly. <laughs> so it really does snowball out of control. But, um, but, right, in the kitchen, there should not be work stuff. That should be reserved for things that are related to cooking. So, and, and, again, that's something I go through in the book of really um, looking at your spaces and designating what they're for mm-hmm. and only keeping things related to those activities in those spaces. Do you hear a lot of comments, because I talked earlier about this, where people – feel more creative when there's less clutter because I know that my my head is feels like okay I can breathe you know yes and and I feel the same way too I cannot possibly start a a new project or a new book or even sit down and um, answer emails unless I have kind of a clear space and a clear desk in order to think Mm -hmm. Um, it's that visual distraction it it takes our, our minds off of what we're really trying to do and we can't focus when we have a lot of stuff around us yes And it's interesting because the theme of the show is get the funk out. And I know that sometimes you don't realize what is going on in your head. You just can't be creative. But if you stop and look at your surroundings, it might help. You know what I mean? It does help. (laughs) It helps a lot. Uh, Just really eliminating the distractions so you can focus um, helps significantly. And also... I, I think there's a psychological component to it, too. I mean, we have all these things around us, and it's, you know, it's like our physical baggage, but it also carries so much emotions mm-hmm. um, and, and just psychological baggage as well. So when we declutter, we not only rid ourselves of the physical stuff, but often like a lot of emotions and, um, that we didn't want to hang on to. Right. You know, it's funny. I'm going to share a memory with you. I used to visit my grandmother in Florida, and she used to love to buy paintings, um, I don't know where she got them from. Maybe, maybe a swap meet. I don't even know. But they were such a mishmash of artwork all over the wall. Mm-hmm. And she, she was kind of a little eccentric. She had a, a stuffed parrot that's, that talked. All right, maybe not a little eccentric. <laughs> and, and she, but she was so funny. But she had all this stuff. And I was a little overwhelmed at first when I would walk in. And now I know why. Because if there's too much going on all at once, it's like information overload. It is, and especially in, in today's world where we're not only bombarded with our own clutter in our homes, but just like information overload. Um, there's just so much coming at us on, on a daily basis, and I think that's why there's such a huge interest these days in decluttering because we just, we're just we so desperate to make a little space, not just physical space, but mental space yes. and time in our lives. Yes. Do you also hear like the garage ends up being like the pit where people <laughs> throw all their stuff? Because I know our garage, it seems to be like, we're getting better, but it seems like if you don't know where to put something, oh, put it in the garage. In the garage, I know. <laughs> it's really like the, uh, it's for the overflow for our homes, isn't yes. it? Yeah. And again, I try to emphasize in the book to keep your storage spaces as streamlined and as organized as your living space. Because sure. a lot of times, if something can go out to the garage, it can just as well leave the household altogether. That's You're so pretty true. much detached from it already. Yeah, that's like one step away from the curb. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
you know what? I I would love maybe some uh, tips, maybe for the, like the bedroom or bathrooms or anything you want to share. Uh, sure. Do you want to pick a space, and uh, and I will let you know how to okay. declutter it. How about the bedroom? The bedroom. Okay, the bedroom actually should be the most serene and uncluttered room in our house because it serves such an important function to to let us rest and to rejuvenate us after a long day of work and childcare or whatever else we fit into our days. So it is very important in the bedroom that only things related to sleep and clothes storage be there. So you don't want the computer in there. You don't want the exercise machine. You don't want your kids' toys and everything else that seems to end up in there. Um, One of the important things is to keep all the surfaces in the bedroom clear. Don't let things pile up on the bed or on the top of your dressers or your nightstands. You want to keep those as clear as possible. Okay. And, again, just the, the stray items, just continually put away clothing and return all those wayward items like the laundry basket or the craft supplies or the toys that find their way in there. Yes. Um, again, you just really want to keep that room for sleeping and clothes storage. When my kids were younger, it seemed like the, the room was filled with everything you said I should get rid of, the, the kids' toys, sippy cups. I mean, it was, like, overwhelming. I know, and it, it's, it's a matter of constant maintenance with respect to that. My daughter is constantly bringing toys <laughs> things she's working on into our bedroom. And it's fine when she's playing with it, but as soon as she leaves the room, all her stuff leaves the room too. That's good. That's yeah. Good. <laughs> and it's hard to keep up with what you just do it. I feel like as I walk through my house every day, I'm just constantly carrying stuff with me back to where it goes. And yes. I try to emphasize that to her as well. She's a little young, mm-hmm. but we're trying to get into those routines. So if you're leaving mommy and daddy's bedroom, your you know, stuffed toy goes back into your playroom or your bedroom. <laughs> I like that idea because I, part of me wishes I had um, reinforced that to my kids because now I'm starting to say, you know, you got to get your stuff out of here, wherever it is, whatever, it, you know, this doesn't belong in here. Look around and see what's yours and put it in your room. I know. And you feel like a broken record <laughs> saying yeah. it over and over, but it really does reinforce it. And I think it's good. I mean, I think it really helps them as they grow up too, yes. to just internalize these, these habits and routines and they'll have a lot less struggle later on in life as well. Um, you know what also I find helpful, too, is um, having a routine of where you put things. So let's say it's their books uh, for school. So they're, not, they're never turning to me and saying, where's my textbook? They'll know where it is because it's always in the same space when they're done with it. Exactly. A place for everything and everything in its place. Right. Um, not only does it make it easier to find things, mm-hmm. but it keeps other clutter from accumulating as well yes. because you can immediately see when something is out of place. I agree. I agree. Now, what about the bathroom? The bathroom? The bathroom is actually a nice, easy way to get started decluttering if, if you want to kind of see how you can do it or how it feels. I mean, it's a nice small room. Um, again, I recommend taking everything out to mm-hmm. begin with, which is actually not that hard. Sorry. And then going through your routine, going through your, your grooming routine, your beauty routine, and only putting those things back that you actually use on a daily basis. Yeah. We, we tend to, you know, buy products and try them, and then they didn't work that great, but we stuff them in our, our drawers, and then they just kind of tend to take up space and, and make it harder for us to get ready in the morning. Um, so I, I do recommend streamlining uh, your supplies to what you actually use each day. Yes. Uh, and uh, if, if you're sharing the bathroom with other household members, um, which a lot of the people I hear from do, and, and they ask, you know, how can we keep it neat when we have three people sharing our bathroom? Yes. Um, I, again, I'm designating 
personal space for each person is so important. So they keep their stuff in their drawer uh, or whatever it happens to be. Yeah. Uh, if you don't have a lot of storage space in your bathroom, I actually recommend each family member having their own personal toiletry bag. Yes. And they can bring their stuff in when they're using the bathroom, and then they can take it out when they leave. Oh, that's good. That's it good. really keeps a nice, uncluttered space. We actually got this thing, um, I think it was, it was a 99 cent store or somewhere, really inexpensive, where you hang it on the back of the door and you can put Q-tips in your brush. and Exactly, it's yes. The same. It's good. It's really good. Now, I have a lot of, you know, sentimental things, like um, antique cameras or old things. I mean, do you just put those in a, in a box and store them away somewhere in your closet? <laughs> Not in your closet. <laughs> Where do you stick it? <laughs> if, are you attached to these particular oh, things? Oh, yeah, or? they're my grandfather's. I could never get rid of them. You could never get rid of them? No, no, no. Well, <laughs> again, the first thing I would do is look to see if there's any ways you can minimize them. Okay. Um, because you're attached to the object, is there a smaller piece of the object you can keep? Um, one thing I've done is I, I've taken digital photographs, and I feel like having the photograph of that item mm -hmm brings back the same memories as the actual item. Okay. It might take you a little while to get to that point, but I think there's a point in your decluttering where you realize that that object is not the person. That's true. That's true. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> what, what's, what's important are the memories you have. And if a picture of that special object, and this is really great for objects that take up a lot of space, like if you inherited like an antique sewing machine or a couch or something you really don't want to have in your house, sure, but yeah. you, know, you feel you need it to remember that person, take a photograph. I mean, it really does work. And it will bring back those memories the same way. Right. And the other thing is um, if, if there's a way to pass on those objects, Okay. If you're not using them and you're just stashing them in the basement or attic, I actually feel like it's kind of more respectful to the person who left them yes. to put them back into use. Um, say right, you yeah. inherited like a grandfather clock that doesn't go with your, your household decor. Donate it to a retirement home or somewhere that like, people can use it and enjoy it. Yes. A collection of books or a collection of dolls. I mean, there are, there are ways that these objects can have another life and be enjoyed. That's and I, I think when you're actually spreading those memories and, and, that, and that happiness out to other people, yes. it's a really good way to honor the memory of the person who had them. And, you know, it's a really good idea because I actually first thought, you know, maybe at some point that antique glass little bookcase from my grandfather, I could pass on to another family member who might love to have it in their house for a while. Exactly. Yeah. Pass it on to someone who's going to enjoy it and who's going to... Um, to truly like having in their household and see it on a daily basis rather than just putting it away in a box <laughs> or putting it into a basement. Yes, yes. Um, now, where can people find out more about you, Francine? I have a blog. Uh, it's www.missminimalist.com. And I write there regularly and have a very active community of um, readers who comment on the post and share their own stories. So it's a really fun place to hang out. That's great. And does... I mean, it's interesting. Do you get people that say, well, you know, I'm just kind of messy. I don't know if I'll change. Or do you find that people are really interested in taking those steps? I think by the time they find me, they've had some motivation to, to want to take those steps. Mm -hmm. And I, I hear reader stories all the time, and I actually devote my, my Mondays on my blog to people who want to tell their stories. And you'll hear a wide variety from people who have pared down to a suitcase and are backpacking the world to people who are just getting started and struggling with that very issue. I feel messy. I don't know where to start, but I'm taking these little steps to do this. And it's great because... 
there's such support and encouragement from all my other readers that I think it really helps them to take those steps and to go a little bit further. That's fantastic. Now, uh, I do want to say you can also be reached. Can you be reached on Facebook or Instagram? Um, on Instagram and on Twitter. On Twitter, okay. And it's Miss Minimalist. Miss Minimalist, yeah. All right, wonderful. And congrats on the book. You've gotten some great accolades. Thank you. Thank you. I think, again, it's, it's a, a book that is right for the times because it is something that we're all thinking about. We really do need to carve out a little more space and time in our lives. And we realize that that's a little more important, and we put a little more value on that than having extra stuff. Right. Right. It's, I feel like it's a huge uh, mood booster to really clean things out and clear things up, and it, it really helps in so many ways. It does, and I, I say decluttering is empowering. Um, once we take those steps to take control of our stuff, it kind of gives us the confidence and the ability and the focus to take control of bigger issues in our lives. So I've heard from a lot of readers who have started out just decluttering a closet now they've lost weight, they've improved their relationships, um, they've, they're starting to write that novel they always wanted to write. Well, it's funny you say that because I love to write and I find that when I'm not as cluttered, my brain is more creative. Yes, and it was a big thing for me too. I um, moved overseas in 2009 mm-hmm. with just a suitcase. So basically oh. all of my clutter was gone and my husband was working in London mm-hmm. and I didn't have a job and I was in an empty apartment and all of a sudden with all that stuff gone... I decided that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to write. I love it. I love it. And look how much wisdom you're giving people. I think it's fantastic. Thank you so much for calling in. Thank you. It's been so, so much fun talking to you. You too. And so, again, your website, one more time, is MissMinimalist.com. That's correct. All right. Great talking to you. And um, this whole conversation will be up on my blog within an hour after I wrap. GetTheFunkOutShow.KUCI.org. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thanks, Francine. Take care. Bye-bye. That was Francine Jay calling in to talk about her book, The Joy of Less, A Minimalist Guide to Declutter, Organize, and Simplify. I really am enjoying reading this book. Um, Every time I get on a clean streak, my kids think I'm PMSing. So it's, it's, uh, no, it's happening more than that. So um, you too can get organized. I know it really helps deal with funks and it really does make you more creative and open your mind up to doing different things if because if you're feeling suffocated by all your stuff who can think straight all right so that's a wrap for me i'm janine this is get the funk out and again this will be up on my show blog get the funk out show.kuci.org uh, within an hour or so and uh, if you want to find out about being a guest just send me an email to janine j-a-n-e-a-n-e at kuci.org And standing by is Sheldon Abbott with Cure for the Blues, and I will be back next week. Have a great week, everyone.